So what do y'all know about Frederick Douglass? If not much, we can change that today, right now. He was an inspiring historical character. He really was. Uh, I've always resonated with him, even though I've read very little of his stuff. I've just seen quotes. And it was enough to be like, there's something there, and I never really pursued it. I don't quite know why. However, I'm going to read a piece I did for an American, African-American literature class I took this last semester. I gotta say, you know, it's uncomfortable talking strictly about race. Um... It just is. Those are huge topics, very sensitive to some people, I guess mostly everybody. And the boiling point we've been with um, race over the last numbers of years makes it even more uncomfortable. And there's never any nuance about it. It's just anger, emotion. Um, And... In this piece, and having read, uh, what was it called, The Narrative of a Life uh, by Frederick Douglass, and it was written by him, which was what made it so impressive, too, at the time, is that it was a slave writing about his own experience. And he was an abolitionist. As you'll see in this story, he was a great writer, well-respected, and worthy to do a podcast about. So let's go. Frederick Douglass was born a slave, and yet by the end of his life, he would be the most photographed man of the 19th century. Douglass's life, as described in his pivotal work, Narrative of the Life, remarkably describes his childhood in detail, from slave to freeman, a transformation of innocence, through his will to overpower his captors and to share the wisdom of his rebellious heart with his fellow men and women in captivity. One would be hard-pressed to not accept that he accomplished this and more. His articulation of the horror and rationale behind the mechanisms of slavery gives anyone willing to listen something to chew on. Why separate a child born in slavery from their mother? What was the reasoning? Douglas, in Narrative of the Life, can only imagine that by doing so, an intentional gulf between the mother and the child will appear, and this subsequently wounds what would likely be an inescapable family alliance. This might also be described as the now old adage, divide and conquer. Douglas's brilliance in his articulation of how the slave masters would beat a man for telling the truth, therefore destroying any reason to do so in the future, is nothing less of a mechanism of control. However, there is one passage in the chapter that captures the thread of obedience and control that can be argued to resonate to this day, in this present culture, and this passage speaks directly to the idea of holidays. 
Douglas makes it clear, saying, From what I know of the effect of these holidays upon the slave, I believe them to be among the most effective means in the hands of the slaveholder in keeping down the spirit of insurrection. From this passage, we can break down his articulation, investigate why Douglas says the holidays are part and parcel of the gross fraud, wrong, and inhumanity of slavery, and then argue how this tactic still functions in society today. Douglas learns to read and write by using trickery on the streets of Baltimore. For a time in his earlier life, Douglas's circumstances allow him to run into town to perform his prescribed errands from his new mistress. In an unusual case for a slave boy, he carries with him extra rations of bread, with the sole intention to entice the poorest white boys in the streets to teach him a thing or two in exchange for the bread. His new mistress, by the name of Sophia Auld, who he describes as a white face beaming with the most kindly emotions, something he has never experienced from a white person before, has recently taught him, however, his ABCs, a knowledge that gives him the capacity to learn what he does from these boys of the Baltimore streets. Although his street learning continues, his acceptance and tutelage by his new mistress are short-lived. Sophia Auld soon regrets her decision for having taught Douglas anything, coerced by her husband into rejecting any further tutelage for fear of Douglas having learned too much. A slave that can read and write can also think, and therefore can teach other slaves the same, so this teaching must end immediately. Nevertheless, this change of heart by Auld only enlightens Douglas further revealing how the withholding of literacy paralyzes the capabilities of the slave from freeing themselves. Douglas is soon sent to a man by the name of Covey, who will subsequently break Douglas's spirit through unrelenting cruelty. The overworking, the sleep deprivation, and the brutality of the whip lead Douglas into understanding how one becomes a slave in the first place. He writes, My natural elasticity was crushed, my intellect languished, the disposition to read departed, the cheerful spark that lingered in my eye died. The dark night of slavery closed in upon me, and behold a man transformed into a brute. These tactics are the pillars of slavery. It's during this time, at Covey's, when he experiences and begins to understand the reasoning behind the holidays. Even the most brutalized human will arguably rebel at one point or another, even if it results in death. Masters are well aware of this inclination, and therefore enforce holidays. Between the days of Christmas and New Year's, slaves are given six days to do as they very well please. If family members are close enough, amnesty is allowed for the entire six days for visitation. Douglas writes, This time we regard it as our own, by the grace of our masters, and we, therefore, used or abused it nearly as we pleased. During these holiday periods, the masters do not relinquish their grip entirely, of course, making their biases clear in what they deem as a good slave should do. 
Douglas describes the staid, sober thinking and industrious ones of our number when employ themselves in making corn brooms, mats, horse collars, and baskets. And another class of us would spend the time in hunting possums, hares, and coons. These activities are allowed, yes, but the master class has its own opinions about those who choose this route for the holiday. He describes, A slave who would work during the holidays was considered by our masters as scarcely deserving them. He was regarded as one who rejected the favor of his master. This point deserves further investigation. Why would the master class disavow these sorts of activities? Are these activities empowering, perhaps skill-building, or too community-oriented? He continues, But by far the larger part engaged in such sports and merriments as playing ball, wrestling, running foot races, fiddling, dancing, and drinking whiskey. And this latter mode of spending the time was by far the most agreeable to the feelings of our masters. The masters prefer that they all get mind-numbingly drunk. A master would look on a slave that refused to drink during the holidays as a fool or a disgrace. But why? Douglas goes on to articulate his understanding. He says, The mode here adopted to disgust the slave with freedom by allowing him to see only the abuse of it is carried out in other things. For instance, a slave loves molasses. He steals some. His master, in many cases, goes out of town and buys a large quantity. He returns, takes his whip, and commands the slave to eat the molasses until the poor fellow is made sick at the very mention of it. These are tactics to further denigrate the perception of a possible divergent reality, a reality that might consist of some form of freedom. He gives us another example. The same mode is sometimes adopted to make the slaves refrain from asking for more food than their regular allowance. A slave runs through his allowance and applies for more. His master is enraged at him, but, not willing to send him off without food, gives him more than is necessary and compels him to eat it within a given time. Then, if he complains that he cannot eat, he is said to be satisfied neither full nor fasting and is whipped for being hard to please. This directly relates to the idea of holidays. They are psychological tools used to hinder any momentum of rebellion or established justice. Douglas calls these holidays a release valve, a mechanism for killing any substantial dissent from ever taking firm root. Douglas makes it devastatingly clear that if these holidays are ever taken away, the rebellious spirit will bubble up and essentially explode. Douglas's articulation of these tactics describes a dark history, and they help us to understand their efficiency in the control of a population. Can we not argue that certain forms of these tactics for obedience have never fully, truly left our society? This is not in the least to diminish the slave trade or the horrific brutality that was endured by Douglas and other black ancestors. It's merely a correlation of systemic structures that are efficient for some and destructive for the overwhelming majority while giving a facade of some perception of freedom. 
These tactics have never fully dissolved. They have shifted and become accepted in corporate bureaucratic institutions. And scene. All right. So what do we take away from this piece? First off, Frederick Douglass. I mean, look into him. Uh, this was a, uh, I would say, a pretty fair, concise, uh, what, summary of the narrative of a life. It's depressing. You understand why these mechanisms function so well in a terrible, oppressive uh, way. And what I was trying to do is relate it to today and how, you know, and it's obviously this was used against black folks and the chattel slavery specifically, but it's carried over into society. And, you know, go back to the Romans when there was at one point where there was like 187 days out of the year, there were like massive events going on, you know where they would just, it just continued um, this peasantry, you know, and this massive, uh, what, differentiation between the wealthy and the and the poor. And so, yeah, first off, you know, go, go check out Frederick Douglass. I mean, it's, uh, look into him. It's, it's super inspiring. I mean, the way he would, for instance, the way he learned to read, other than this one, um, oh, what was she called? His mistress, you know. She was like the first white person ever that looked at him in a loving way, which only lasted so long until her husband was like, what are you doing that for? And uh, But she taught him his ABCs, and then he would go on the streets and learn from poor boys on the street, poor white boys. I mean, again, they were poor. I mean, these were peasants, but, I mean, I'm sure they were racist as fuck still, but, you know, because that's how they were raised. But it was still, it's just nuts how the, uh, where MLK was left off before they murdered him, um, where he was trying to unite um, poor working people, whites and blacks, and be like, look, they, they tell you to focus your hate towards these people, because they don't want you to look any anywhere else. Um, which is just part of our tribalness in us. But you don't feed that wolf, you know. You just don't feed it. Um, aside from that, um, what else do we take away? I mean, again, I'm trying to correlate how the holidays. What I was saying about the Romans. I mean, they would just... It was even back then, but this... These tentacles are still around where you work five out of the seven days. We'll give you the weekend, you know. And even the holidays where it's just, oh, you know, you got Labor Day off. Good. And when whatever else of the holidays. These are mechanisms to, they always give you just enough for that release valve. And... Look, we, we have to survive somehow, and this is the society that we're in. We should always be working f- 
in fashion and moving forward to make the world better and more fulfilling for human beings because otherwise, what are we doing? And, you know, that's been a hard one for me. Even as a 37-year-old dude, I'm just like, scream at the clouds. But, you know, there's a reason society is set up the way that it is and it doesn't fulfill us and support our humanity. And there were plenty of mechanisms that are still chiseling away at the beauty inside of us as humans. And to bring it back around to Frederick, he was a beautiful human being. And it's super inspiring. And I recommend you check him out. Uh, If anything, if you don't, I mean, just listen to this one more time and then understand that he he knew all this going on and he was a slave. I mean, they, they literally purposefully don't want people to learn and and learn how to write and speak and think. It's kind of the same still today. However, yeah, obviously we've made plenty of progress and things are different. Um, and there was the context of the times. But it's uh, food for thought, something we're thinking about. Appreciate you listening. Um, I've got a few free months here, so I'm going to be creating stuff, adding more podcasts on here too. Um, I got some new music rolled out. Um, I'll probably post that at some point, but you can find it on any of the streaming platforms. I go by PMC. The little EP is called feels f-e-e-l-s check it out now i'll be posting uh, some other new tunes also but thanks again till next time
Keep it. 